from a place of complete darkness to a place of complete hope, there's so much gratitude that exists there. Leading Matters with Joel Caparelli. Welcome, welcome back to Leading Matters. If it's your first time here, truly glad that you're here. Shoot, if it's your second, third, fourth, if you're a regular listener, I am even more happy to have you here today uh, because I love doing this. I love bringing different perspectives to my audience because if we're serious about what we do as leaders, gaining more information from more perspectives always matters, always makes a difference. That's what we try to do here. Uh, but listen, today is, I'm so excited for this guest. I've known this guy, Sean Quintero, for about a year and a half or so. And I've really seen his approach to things mature. Uh, he's got an incredibly infectious personality. And it's a unique perspective because he is a Christian entrepreneur. He helps Christian entrepreneurs. Everything he does is framed that way. He talks a ton about Jesus Christ and his faith. And, and that might turn some people off, you know, because we don't necessarily get into matters of, of faith or politics a whole lot here on Leading Matters. But I think you need to challenge yourself and listen to who this guy is what he cares about, how he goes about his business, how he goes about developing his business and, and building his relationships. And here's what I'd like you to do. If you know, faith isn't your thing, right, remove the idea of Christianity out of it as you're listening. And ask yourself when you're all wrapped up, if you remove that element out of it, does what he say, does what he says make sense? Does it make logical sense where you would want to interact with somebody like that, where you would want to treat people the way that he strives to treat people. I think if you're honest with yourself, if we're all honest with ourselves, the answer is yes, right? That's the idea and the notion of what he's trying to achieve here is that, listen, I want to live, legitimately live my faith so I could do bigger and greater things. The takeaway as leaders of all stripes is that we could apply the lessons learned from every perspective and every angle and find the value in it that makes sense for us to apply it to advance whatever it was we're trying to do. So I'm a little bit more passionate about this one because um, I'll be honest, it's a bit of a departure for the show, but I also want to challenge myself to bring you as much diversity as possible. So enjoy this episode. I think you're going to love it. Do me a favor. Let me know what you think about it. Send a shout out to Sean. Let him know you've listened to it. And please just sit back and enjoy the next 20 minutes or so with Sean Quintero. My guest today is focused on helping entrepreneurs remove the things in their way that are preventing them from achieving their full potential. Now listen, this isn't necessarily a unique area of work. After all, there's plenty out there that help entrepreneurs in this capacity. But what is absolutely unique about my guest is that he has a very specific focus. He helps the Christian entrepreneur, business owner, and ministry leader. The goal? Help them live greater lives of greater generosity that is central to their beliefs. Now, he has got a new book out. It's called Online Wealth for the Christian Entrepreneur, Your Ultimate Guide to Building Profitable Online Business and Ministry. He's also the founder of Wealthier You, which is an online training university that teaches people how to build an online business on the very foundation of that same faith. He is Sean Quintero, and I have to tell you, love this guy, and I'm really happy that he decided to join me today on Leading Matters. Sean, welcome. Thank you so much, Joel. I am so excited to finally be on the podcast with you. I am an avid listener, and so it's really cool to be on this side of the podcast. Oh, good. Well, thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you tune in. So, Sean, I, I am excited to, to have you on, and the first thing I want to touch on is the idea of, we'll get to, to kind of your focus area in a minute, but 
you and I know each other for a little over a year, and in that time, just as an observer of your work, I've come to know you as a, as a young man who's who's got an infectious, a legitimately infectious amount of positive energy. So that, that's right where I want to start. From your perspective, and I want to get into your backstory a little bit as well, because I think that adds even more flavor to your positive energy. But from your perspective, how important is it for us to have a genuinely, a sincere, not necessarily sugary sweet, but a sincere positive outlook on our everyday? I am a big believer in affirmation, um, in attention, uh, affection, and affirmation being shown from me to other people. And the reason why is because I need it. I crave it. And the one thing that I've recognized is the more you give, the more you get. The more love you give someone, the more affection and, and um, attention and affirmation you give someone, the more value you give someone, the more uh, reciprocity exists, right? You're going to get so much more love and positive affirmation from that person. And I need that to thrive. I need to be told, hey, Sean, I'm so proud of you. Hey, Sean, great job. Hey, Sean, keep up the good work. Hey, Sean, I need to challenge you in this area. And because I know I need it, I know other people need it too. And so my job as a Christian entrepreneur, as somebody who is a firm believer in Jesus Christ, who spoke life into darkness, who gave me incredible hope when I had absolutely no hope. And I know you wanted to talk a little bit about my story, but from a position of uh, eight years old, writing a suicide letter, having scars on my wrist, because I didn't believe that I would have any type of future that existed outside of the bullying and outside of the abuse and outside of the incredibly negative environment to a place where I heard God speak and said, I'm not done with you and I still love you and I still want to work with you and I still have so much more in front of you than you could ever imagine. That from a place of complete darkness to a place of complete hope, there's so much gratitude that exists there. And in that gratitude, there is nothing bad that can happen to me that would give me the outlook of, well, that's it. I guess I just have yeah. to settle for what's what I'm getting um, from the circumstances that I have, from the family and relationships that I have, from the past that I have. I guess this is it. Instead, I now have the attitude of I'm going to make something happen and I'm going to decide and define the world I live in. I'm a firm believer again in affirmation, which means that the words I'm speaking today will be the world I'm living in a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. You look at the words you were speaking three years ago, you're living in that world. And so if I can continue to speak faith out, if I can continue to speak truth out, and if I can continue to speak out a vision of my future, even though I don't see it yet, I it, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And all I have to do is make it happen. Now, listen, there is so much packed into that, right? And I'm glad you shared a, a you know a brief little snippet about you know your background because I think that speaks volumes to where you are today versus you know where 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 you came from. But let me challenge you just a little bit, right? Because uh, look, yeah. it's a secular podcast, right? So I have no idea if my audience how many of them are, are Christians or even believers or how many are not, right? But what do you say to the person? And look, I don't, I don't, and let me frame it this way, right? I am, you know, for the sake of my, my audience, I'm certainly a believer as well, so I, I can I can identify with some of the things Sean's saying. But Sean, what I'm curious to you is that what I find in my travels is this idea of generosity and this idea of self-sacrifice for others for no other reason than for them is always edifying. In other words, it's always the right thing to do, and it always comes back to you ten times, right? It always does, whether I'm a believer or not, right? Yeah. So what do you think— and what do you say to people that, that when they hear that, when they hear that language from you, they might it might be a stumbling block for them. 
right? Because I, and I and the reason I'm asking the question is because it, it ought not to be right. Because if you look at even the most secular professional self help book today, it's all mm -hmm. founded and grounded in these ideas, these very ideas of Christianity. Yep. So what what do you say to people that might struggle with the um, with the overlay of faith onto that that idea? So this is the, I mean, you look at Gary V, right? Curses up a storm, but has some great content. You look at people like Tony Robbins, you look at people like Oprah, everything that has been spoken out from them about gratitude, about love, about giving, about a, a level of service first before you try to sell specifically as an entrepreneur or business owner as um, value first principles, right? Like everything that I just said is spoken by them. And so I apply my faith in everything that I do because I know it worked for me and it absolutely transformed my life. What I find is people don't want more information. You could be listening to a podcast, read a blog, watch a video, do whatever. There's so much information out there and we're so overwhelmed by information. People want something real. They want something certain and they want transformation. And for me, I have found that in my faith. I have found certainty. I know exactly what's going to happen because I serve a good God who's going to do fantastic things, not only to me, but through me. Because God, here's the reality. God does not want me to live a selfish life. If I were to want to become a millionaire simply for the sake of having a million dollars, then that would not be a godly principle or a godly position. But if I wanted to become a millionaire, which I'm on my way, and if I wanted to become wealthy and prosperous, if you will, there has to be a purpose behind it. And for God and for my faith, God wants me to be purposefully prosperous because I live on the greatest planet on the earth, the U.S. of A. I've been, um, I've been honored and privileged to live in sunny California, literally like the paradise of the world. And I've recognized that I am so privileged and so honored because compared to people who are living in poverty-stricken countries, compared to people who are living in the Middle East – who are in constant fear of being killed, being bombed, people who live in Russia, people who live in North Korea, right? There are people right now who have it a whole lot worse than I can. And it kind of reminds me of uh, the award-winning movie Schindler's List. You see Schindler at the very end, and he sees a thousand people who he just saved through his business and through kind of his strategy. He saved a thousand Jews, and then he looks at his ring and he says, this is gold. I could have saved two more. That car, why did I need that car? I could have saved 10 more with that car. I could have created a, such a greater impact if I had simply used my wealth and used my prosperity and used my business for such a greater impact than kind of just frivolously having a ton of money. One of the distinctions that I make in my own life is, is everybody wants to spend a million dollars. Entrepreneurs want to make a million dollars. Christian entrepreneurs or even faith-based entrepreneurs or simply selfless entrepreneurs want to give a million dollars. I am not in my business because I want to make a ton of money. I'm in my business because I want to live a greater life of generosity so that I can give a lot of money. I want to have schools that have been built because I did the work for them. I want to have little girls going to getting, getting an education, being able to provide not just for their family, but for their city. I want to see people not having to walk miles upon miles just to find a little bit of water that might be clean. I want to create those wells. And if I have the opportunity to do that, and my business is on a, in in is created on the platform of that generosity then i fully believe that god's going to trust me to steward more finances he's going to bring in amazing clients he's going to bring in amazing ideas and strategies he's going to show me places in the market that need filling and i'm going to be able to fill that need 
Um, so my business, everything that I do is all about generosity and all about giving because here's the reality. 80, 90, maybe 200, I, for sure 200 years from now, 80, 90 years from now, I will no longer be here. I will have gone. I will have died. I will no longer exist on planet Earth. But my work and the impact that I will do for these 80, 90 years that I'm on here will. So everything I do is on the platform of creating a generational legacy that my kids and my kids' kids and my kids' kids' kids and your kids and your kids' kids and your great-great-grandkids can feel the work that we're doing today and that we're able to leave them that legacy to grow, right? So they can stand on on shoulders of giants sure. and get even further. Sure. Now, listen, I, again, a lot packed into how you approach it. And that's this is a big reason why, you know, after – you know, trying to get a schedule, I really wanted to make sure you got on, right? Because I, I have the benefit of having seen like your own individual growth from January of 2016 until now, and you know, outside looking in, it's 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 legitimately transformational. Like I've actually witnessed it, you know, as an observer. Mm. And and what I'm what I find interesting and what you got kind of packed in there is that's accessible, right? Like this kind of this kind of thinking, right? Like we always have a choice, right? We have a choice on, like I, I, I've been in the habit lately of telling my kids as they leave for school not to have a good day. I'm like, hey, create the day you want today. Like make it a day, you know, like mm -hmm. make it the day that you want to make it. Cause I want to, I want to empower them to, to use their, their intellect and their, their moods and their, their personality to craft what, what they want. And I believe that's, that's achievable. But yet so many people, no matter what you do, whether you are a believer or not, whether you're an everyday worker or whether you're running your own business, whether you're the director of a multi-million dollar division of a multi-billion dollar conglomerate, whatever it might be, people get kind of strung up in something. There's some obstacle that's in the way where they, they can't think as big as you just said. Now, mm -hmm. my question here is, what what do you, is there a common obstacle that you see in the lives of your clients and the lives of the people that you help the common thread that always seems to prevent them from thinking as big as you just uh, shared with us well i think that's it i think a lot of people think that big but a lot of people don't take action um for a couple of reasons one they get stuck in analysis paralysis they're thinking and thinking and thinking and and wishing and hoping and dreaming and none of that really matters because it doesn't exist it just happens in our brain and so one of the things that i'm a huge proponent of is action creates clarity even imperfect action and so even if you're at a place where you want to be able to create that kind of legacy and create that type of impact and you're still stuck in your thoughts, you don't know what specifically to do, do something, do anything, literally do anything. Reach out to a friend and say, hey, I need some ideas. Let's think, let's set some time aside and let's brainstorm. Even if it's a matter of talking to someone who's already doing what you're doing or what you wanna do and saying, hey, I, I need you to mentor me. I will stay here every single day. I will call you every single day. I will message you. I will annoy you until you mentor me because I want to be where you're at. If it's simply a matter of you're stuck in your brain, get out of your brain and just do something. Um, create a product and maybe that product won't do anything. Maybe that course won't do anything, but at least you're taking action, which is going to get you closer to recognizing what will work. I, If I could write a second book, it would be – 10,000 things to fail, <laughs> 10,000 ways to fail at entrepreneurship because I've done it. Um, but you look at people like Michael Jordan, you look at people like Steven Spielberg, you look at people like Oprah, they failed and failed and failed and failed. And they weren't afraid of the failure because they knew on the other side of that failure is success. 
Um, so one is kind of analysis paralysis staying in your thoughts. The second thing is there's two prevalent statements that I hear every single time that I either get on a call to consult with someone or get on a call with a potential client or whatever the case is. Those two things is I feel like I don't have enough time and two, I feel like I've wasted so much time. And there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of comparison. There's looking at other people who maybe we started with, but they're so much further than we are. There is um, so much insecurity that exists there. And so we we feel like we just have to rush and do something and we never do things the right way or with intentionality. And so the whole purpose of taking action is so that we do something and we figure out the right way to do it um, in time. Even if it takes you a year, that year's going to pass anyway. Um, sure, you may have feel, felt like you've wasted time. Get started now. If you feel like you don't have enough time, you have time. So whether you have enough time or not, doesn't matter. Just go do it. And the reality is you probably have more than enough time. Um, you just feel like you don't have enough time. You're probably feeling insecure because you look at other people who are doing it so much better than you. It doesn't matter insecurity and confidence. Confidence isn't a requirement to get started. Confidence is a result. It's a reaction to competence, to experience. And so you're going to suck when you first get started. And that's okay because you're supposed to suck because you can begin to suck less and less and less and less the more you do it. Sure. It's all about becoming that expert. So yeah. now I had, uh, I had a woman, uh, her name's Beth Dunn on the show, or I think it was earlier this year. It could have been last year. But she writes for she she works for HubSpot. It's a, HubSpot is a an inbound marketing software, and she writes all of the well, at least at the time I was interviewing her all of the um, like when you, there's a new release the release notes that kind of tell people what the latest and greatest is. But what she's done is she's injected kind of a personality into that language. So instead of your boring old product speak in your new release updates you have something that's uh, witty it's it's got a personality it's engaging people actually kind of are a fan of her writing and she gives a talk about that very idea of listen if you want to be a better write, writer you know what you need to do is you need to start writing every day and it might be awful and might matter of fact it probably will be awful for the first you know one month two months three months six months but over time you'll start to find your your written voice you'll start to see and learn more and then you'll get inspired to actually take action to improve your writing some way shape or form so i think it's really good practical advice is listen get busy and i think it's applicable anyway right do get busy wherever you need to be busy right in a purposeful yeah. way but but let me ask you this about about um the idea of your your focus right so you focus sure. in on on christian entrepreneurs now my my question there, and ministry leaders, obviously, but my question here is, is of your clientele, how many of them are entrepreneurs that happen to be Christian and versus their Christianity as a part of what they do? In other words, like you, I would call you the latter. You, you, your Christianity is like woven in your, your what you put out in the public sphere and how you uh, help people and how you connect and what your business actually is. Versus somebody like like me, let's say, you know, I'm I'm Christian, I'm an entrepreneur, and but the, it's like an underlying foundational thing for me. It's not necessarily part and parcel to what if you saw me externally, what I do. So I'm just curious what the division is. Is it 100 percent where they're Christian entrepreneurs, where their Christianity is woven deeply in with what they do, or is it 50 50? Give me an idea. So the reason why I specifically focus on Christian entrepreneurs is because I honestly cannot stop talking about Jesus, cannot not pray, cannot speak the same language as my clients. And so I 
use the Christian entrepreneur. Um, I also do coaches and ministry leaders um, because I want to be able to speak the same language. When we're celebrating, I want to be able to say, oh, man, thank God, right? Glory to God. Thank God he showed up. Thank God we were in alignment with his vision. Um, I want to be able to, in the Christian entrepreneur, I'm sorry, in online wealth for the Christian entrepreneur, I create a manifesto. That talks about Jesus Christ being our CEO, and we're simply stewards of the things he gives us, and we're in alignment with his plan, not our plan, not our mission, not our vision. And so any Christian, whether you're an entrepreneur who happens to be Christian or your Christianity is woven into your work, your service, your product, whatever the case is, we can speak that same language. So for me, my clients, I specifically have several clients who are mega churches. Um, and so I have pastors specifically who are my clients. I also have political clients who are running in mayoral campaigns, um, councilman campaigns, um, assemblyman campaigns, who happen to be Christian, but their politic is prevalent in most of what they do. I also have entrepreneurs who have their product has nothing to do with Christianity, it has to do with debt, or it has to do with an, an app. Um, but they're a Christian, and so they understand that the motivation, the drive behind their work ethic and their ambition is is this faith, this foundational faith. So that's kind of the breakdown for me. So do you think, and I, I've been asking this question with frequently lately, especially after, you know, with our political, you know, atmosphere and how divisive our online sure. media consumption is. I, I kind of, I'll kind of stack the deck this way because I'll be transparent with how I kind of feel about it. I feel as though the way we're served up media today doesn't help us to empathize or see the other side of things with, with people, mm. regardless of what our beliefs are, what our political leanings are. That, that media just kind of keeps us right where we are. And it's almost, you know, it's almost, if you want to look into it, potentially diabolical almost, right? Because it wants to hold us right where we are. So therefore, we're on our digital properties longer and we're scrolling through a bottomless pit of, of news yep. feeds and things like that. Do you think that that's part of the responsibility here for the for the uh, Christian entrepreneur, that they have to do their part to affect not just their marketplace, not just their clients, but indeed the, the way media flows today by creating information and, and content uh, you know, that's going to edify people no matter where they are and then challenge themselves to be as empathetic as possible so that what they have to share is accessible by anyone. Yeah, you know, I mean, you look at Facebook and literally Facebook is littered with negativity. Um, people talking about their own lives and then the news constantly feeding us what the next nuclear war might happen to, in the next hour, right? Like breaking news, nuclear war again. And so we're constantly fed this level of negativity and this, this we're consuming this negativity. And then even on like social platforms, we are, I mean, it's designed, the algorithms are designed to give us what we want what we crave, what we agree with, because if we don't agree with it, we'll probably stop using their platform and they definitely don't want that. And so one of the things I specifically work with, uh, specifically with my churches who are my clients is creating a ton of testimonials and creating a ton of case studies of real people who have gone through hell and back and have said, I'm still here. Um, just like my story, right? Like I, I went through an incredibly abusive childhood. I went through an incredibly um, abusive middle school and high school era where I was incredibly bullied. I was told horrible names and told really negative things from my peers and from teachers. And it was just, it was just a really horrible mess. And then for me to be able to say, I've been there, but I'm here now and I'm moving forward. And there's a life that you can live, even if that's where you're at now. And I'm going to speak faith over you. I'm going to speak love over you. And I'm going to love you like you've never been loved before and empathize with where you're at because I've been there. 
when you have story after story after story about people whose lives have been changed, that is that 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 gets viral attention. That gets people's mm-hmm. attention in a way where oh, that can be me, and mm-hmm. I I could be a different person. I could become a different person. So let me let me challenge you with this question: um, What yeah. happens, you know, for Sean Q, right? When somebody he's working with, or an acquaintance, or a colleague, or a friend, you know, maybe maybe you get maybe you get frustrated with them because they become really difficult to love, and maybe they're not getting out of their own way, or maybe they're even hurtful to you personally, right? Or or maybe you know maybe it's just look, stop being the victim here and, and free yourself of this stuff, and they just won't do it. Like, look, that's tough. We experience people like that, you know, throughout our our lives, right? And it's difficult to continue to maintain this level of of love that you're you're talking about and this level of concern and, and empathy when you're faced with that situation. So, look, if, if I could be so bold here, what what do you do when that, when that happens? When when you just want to just enough, you know, or take a break from this person, you know, like what what do you do? So, there's a couple of different things. One, I have in my wallet, and I've had this since I was 13 years old. Um, it's a sentence that I wrote down on a piece of paper and ripped off. It simply says. Frankly, there's nobody you could not learn to love if you had if you had only heard their story. And it reminds me that everyone has a story. Everyone comes from somewhere and everyone's reacting to circumstances in a past that they have and that they're holding in to bitterness that they have in their lives to um, angst and anxiety and depression that they're holding in that they don't, they themselves don't know how to handle um, or overcome. And so, I, I, listen, I have family members that Christmas comes around and I, I have to prepare. <laughs> okay, I am going to hang out with this person. I'm going to love them even though they just kind of get on my nerves, right? And the you there's two different things. One, there's outreach. And then two, there's relationship, like deep relationship. The deep relationships that I have, and I'm I'm very guarded with who I allow to speak into my life. Um, because I know where I'm going, and I if and if something doesn't support me in where I'm going, then I'm not going to allow that to have a deep root or a deep seat or a close seat to my heart. And so I make sure that the people I have a deep relationship with are life-giving, are speaking faith, are incredibly encouraging, um, because I want to surround myself with people who are who who are on in my corner, rooting me on, cheering me on, and and expecting me to go further than I can even expect of myself. That doesn't mean that I isolate myself to only those types of people. When I do go into those types of circumstances, there have been occasions where I'll call it out um, and I'll be completely honest. I'll pull them aside and say, hey, I love you and I'm going to tell you this in love. It's going to hurt. You are being really negative right now. And I've noticed over the last three months you've been really negative. I actually just did this with a friend of mine. You've been really negative every single time I talk to you. I, I just don't want to talk to you anymore. And I, I love you too much to let you sit in that and it just let that happen. So either you are willing to let me help you love you and change that language that you're using or I can't hang out with you. And, and I'm sorry. I know that hurts. I just love you too much to let you stay there. And so I've done that before, you know, a couple of other things I've done is, you know, I'm going to love them from the side because I, it's just not my, if I talk to them, I'm probably going to say something I regret. (laughs) And so I'm going to love some, I'm going to love them from a side. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to believe the best for them. I'm going to hope for the best for them. I'm not going to think like, I hope they get, you know, they fail and and then they come see me. I hope they become, you know, there's no negativity. There's complete, um, you know, I'm imperfect. So I try my hardest to be as, as positive and as loving as I possibly can. And then just hope that somebody comes into their life that they will listen to 
Um, and maybe they won't listen to anyone for another year and they just got to mm. keep hitting their head against the wall over and over and over until they finally give up and recognize this isn't working, right? Like, so I'm not their savior. I'm not the person who can change them, but I can love them. I can live a life of non-judgment and say, look, I'm here for you and I'm here to listen because yeah. I've been there and I know the way out because I, at least for me and maybe yeah. it'll work for you. Now, listen, I, I, I think that's a really uh, credible approach right because if you if we're sincere about caring for others right that means you know taking the hard path of of injecting your two cents in, into how they're behaving and the way they're treating you and others and, and that's not necessarily a an idea of you're judging what they're doing it's like hey we're 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 connected here and it's i would like you to do the same for me so what happens when the shoes on the other foot and someone says to uh, to sean q says listen lighten up brother you're, you're getting in my face here a little bit and i, I can't handle it <laughs> what do you do so you have somebody that I so there's somebody that I've approached and I said, Hey, look, you're being negative and they're just not like accepting it or I'm sorry, I didn't really understand the question. <laughs> well, no, that's okay. What my question is, um, if somebody's cluing you into something that they're not too keen on how you're handling, you know, yourself, right? In other words Oh. So I'm the one being negative. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so actually there are people in my life, um, specifically my pastor, my wife, my parents, um, a really great friend of mine, and some other mentors that I call my growth buddies that uh, were growing together, that I have given them complete permission to pull me aside and say, Sean, you're being a knucklehead. Sean, that was the wrong thing to do. Sean, this I've noticed this attitude that you've, been to, uh, you've started to have or this language that you're starting to use, um, and I just want you to know like that's not okay. Um, or this is rubbing me the wrong way or whatever. I've given people complete permission. I think, I think a lot of people are afraid of having those transparent, authentic conversations and really facing themselves. And I made a decision early on. I want to be completely transparent to others and myself, which means I need to face my own inner demons. I need to face the things that are holding me back so that I can overcome it. And I cannot do it alone. So I need other people to partner up with me and point things out that I'm blind to. So I've actually given people that I trust, that I respect, that I know are going to love me through it to give me that kind of feedback. Very good. Very good. Listen, I, I, this is exactly why I wanted you on the show. I, I really strive to get as many kind of different perspectives and voices onto the show because you know, the show is called Leading Matters. And we can't lead our, our own lives, our careers, our efforts, our companies, whatever, our families, whatever it is, unless we have – as much information as possible. I think you've added genuinely with that conversation, Sean. But before we wrap up, tell me where my audience should go to check more out about you, what they should do, where they, where and when they can get the book and whatever you want to share with them. All right, so Online Wealth for the Christian Entrepreneur is specifically designed to help two types of people. One, the Christian entrepreneur who has no idea how to create a strong online presence but knows they need to be online in order to really maximize their profits. And two, it's for the ministry leader who is leading a small group, whether that's an entrepreneur group, business group, whatever the case is. They want to cultivate that business uh, community in their church. And it's specifically designed in three sections. The first section dives deep into my story, I get very specific about what happened when I was eight, what happened when I was 13, 14, 18, and 21. And those were the very pivotal moments in my life. And some of them were really dark and really hurtful, um, but some of them were really uh, powerful and enlightening for me personally. And then I go into the this idea of money and why Christians should not be afraid of making a ton of money. And it's not for prosperity, it's for purpose. 
Section two dives deep into the meat of building an online wealth, talks about the strategies, tactics, techniques, tips, methods. Literally, I break it down, give you an entire checklist, show you exactly how to do it. And then the third thing is talks about failure. It talks about how to fail, how to give up on a bad idea, how to pivot, how to recognize when you have a failing business and what to do when you get there. So it gives you and guides you through the whole process of starting a business and possibly ending a business if you have to. You can get that um, at uh, onlinewealthbook.com. So onlinewealthbook.com, you can buy that there or you can buy it on Amazon. Just look up Online Wealth for the Christian Entrepreneur. You can also find more information about me, some of the work I do, and a ton of resources that are absolutely free, extraordinary content at wealthieryou.org. Okay, very good. I will actually uh, put those up on the show notes so people can find you. So just for the sake of my audience and wrap this up, we've been speaking with Sean Quintero. He is the author of the upcoming and newly released Online Wealth for the Christian Entrepreneur, Your Ultimate Guide. To building a profitable online business and ministry, and also the founder of the Wealthier You, uh, wealthieryou.org. That's an online training university which teaches people how to build an online basis, uh, excuse me, online business on top of the faith that they believe so strongly in. Sean, I seriously can't thank you enough. I think you're doing some great work. I, you're, uh, again, your attitude's infectious. The growth that you've been demonstrating to those that know you and observe you has been uh, inspiring. So keep it up, and thanks so much for being with me today on Leading Matters. Thank you so much, Joel. I am so honored. And for everyone listening, listen, I am so proud of you. Keep up the good work. If you're listening to this, trying to better yourself, you're listening to the right place because Joel knows exactly what he's talking about. And he is such a great leader to follow. 